What's going on, everybody? Happy Tuesday. It is more Milo. And I'm Ross Signorelli. And this is the Market Today podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 155. For those of you that are new, what we do here every week is we read a book, usually something having to do with business, psychology, philosophy, self-help, whatever it is, as long as it's pushing ourselves in a better direction than we were yesterday. And we give you guys our keynotes, what we thought, what we liked, whether you should leave it on the bookshelf or whether you should dust it off and read it. In addition to that, we talk about the financial markets, what's happening in current events and how it's affecting our economics, uh, hence the Market Today podcast name. So today, uh, an interesting topic that's a bit controversial. A lot of people are in, a lot of people are out. Uh, it's a quite an interesting mixed bag, but there's a rather big name that we've actually haven't had on the podcast, but we've read one of his books on the podcast. For those of you that remember the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, Malcolm has been recently in the news talking about remote work. And uh, I'm actually looking here at the New York Post. I'm reading their headline for this particular article and says, Malcolm Gladwell slams working from home. Uh, quoted, what have you reduced your life to? Ross, as someone who's a huge proponent to remote work, what are your thoughts? So can you give me a little bit more context on what he was saying? So I know he was saying he doesn't like remote work, but did he give like a reason at all? Well, I think it's what he's really talking about is how it's hurting society, right? Like, think about Malcolm Gladwell and how he presents ideas. He's very much like a macro, society-based, like, you know, thought process kind of guy. So the way that he's kind of describing it is he's saying, you know, let's face it, guys, like, all of us being at home is generating this like opportunity to work from home. But really, what are you doing, right? Like you're in your pajamas all day. You're not leaving your house. Like what are you doing to go and connect with people? Like why aren't you, you know, getting dressed and going out into the world? Like what has our world become that is just within the four walls of your home where you work, you play, you, you know, spend time with your family, you go to bed and that's all you do. Yeah, so I think there's a few things that go into it. And like I said, for anyone listening, I do work from home. And I've worked from home pretty much since the pandemic, since our company um, started the work from home policy. I think there's a few variables. I think one, and uh, I've mentioned this to more in the past, I think it really has to start off with your role as well, right? Like, I think you need to be in a role that's paying you seven to 80 grand in the sense that you need to be in a position where you're able to make your own decisions, right? There's there's a big pay jump that happens in someone's career when they go from someone who's just taking orders to someone who moves up and is able, whether it be a manager position um, or another position where maybe even sales as well, where they're given the ability to say yes and no to deals, to clients, be able to make their own adjustments. Um, and they're kind of rewarded, obviously, when those go well. I think for those kind of roles, work from home can be fine. Um, I think if you're in a position where you know, you're, let's say you're doing data entry and things like that. Yes. If you're working from home, um, that's probably a role that is easier, right? Cause you're not doing too much. Um, you can sit on the couch and work all day, but I've done a role like that in the past that was work from home. And I did feel pretty disconnected from everyone around me. So I can understand what he's trying to say. Um, but the real thing for me would be, you know, I, I love it right now. You know, we have a lot of talk as well about a four day work week. There's been a lot of studies that have just completed in Europe showing that um, productivity doesn't fall off, um, but you're still able to get the same amount done and pay your employees the same amount. So like there's a there's a thought of, 
you know, am I working from home or am I, um, you know, just at home where I'm always working? Like, am I living in the office or is my office in my home? Right. So I think what he's trying to get to is it's probably bad for society because you can, you're not seeing people not being involved with those you work with. But I think that's making a large generalization on the company you work for. You know, like my company at Snapchat, we make a lot of attempts to have people on calls together. We have um, biweekly or weekly meetings with the team where a lot of it is spent kind of catching up and then we dive into some of the action items. So, you know, we're even having, we still have events at the office um, where people will go to and they'll throw like little happy hours and things. So I think it really does depend on the individual. I think it depends on the role and I think it depends on the company. So for him to say that across the board, this is bad for society, I would heavily disagree. Um, because at a certain level of, of career, you go from being paid by the hour to being paid by the productivity you have or by the results, right? So if you're an hourly worker, then yes, you may not be more efficient. Who knows how it's going to work for you? Um, but normally those kind of roles, someone wants to be able to physically see you working, give you feedback. You're probably going to be asking your manager more questions throughout the day versus someone maybe in a sales role who is able to be really efficient with their time and get the same amount of work done in four hours, right? Doesn't mean they should work eight because it took somebody else eight. If they can get it done and have the same results in four hours, don't penalize them, especially for us living in LA to spend an extra hour driving to work and an hour back. That's two hours of your day gone. Then you have eight hours of work. That's 10 hours. You only have so long because um, you have to go to sleep. So you only have so long with your friends or family. So I think being able to eliminate some of those really is is nice. Some people are able to see their kids more, be, see their wife more, see, you know, maybe some people live with their grandparents, whatever it could be. You get to see family and friends, I think, in a way that feels more comfortable. Um, so for me, I'm definitely a fan. My question to you would be, you know, you kind of do both. You're more of an in-office worker, but you do work from home sometimes as well. Are there any pluses and minuses you've seen or anything that maybe would shed some light on what he's trying to say in this? Well, you know, I definitely think that I would consider myself an in-office worker. Yes, from time to time I'll work remotely, but for the most part I enjoy being at the office and, and having the experience of going to the office. Now my experience is a little different, right? Like I live eight minutes away from my office. I have a really great office with like snacks and all the things and you know I have my computer set up and my desk set up and all the things that I need to operate. I have a big printer which sometimes I need, funny enough, in this world that we're in that everything's digital, I still need to print things out from time to time. You know, so there's there's certain advantages that I feel like I have at the office that I don't get at home for, you know, b based on just having resources available to me. Now, in my position as a salesperson, it's also super important for me to be in person because I have the opportunity to then work with other people that are at the office and communicate in ways where I can learn new things, right? Like I can walk up to my manager's office and say, hey, Joshua, I need some help with this. Can you teach me some stuff, right? So there's a lot of value from the perspective of mentorship, education, you know, opportunity, you know, not to not even getting started on the social aspect, which is like when you connect with your team, you have a better team environment, you want to push each other more, you want to work together with each other more. Like, and I feel like that can be missing in a remote environment where you don't have that team atmosphere where people are pushing to the next level. Like, yeah, are you going to meet up for your, your weekly meeting? Sure. Are you going to have your weekly get together with your boss? Sure. A hundred percent. But like at the same time, that, that space of creativity, that space of collaboration, 
it just isn't the same. Like when you're in person, it's just different, right? Like Ross, you know exactly how, how that is because all of our projects, when we really need to get something focused on and we need to get creative, we sit together in person and have a conversation and have a meeting, right? So from a micro perspective, I think it's really like a, it's a choice of how effective can you be. I completely agree with you from the perspective that if you're making 80, 100 grand plus and you're in a position where you're out there making decisions and creating opportunities, you should have the flexibility to work remotely if you so choose. However, this is where I start to see the disconnect. There's a lot of people out there that are maybe new to a business, uh, maybe aren't as effective you know, uh, as some of their colleagues are or any of those things, and those people are still staying home. And in that particular situation, if I see someone that's new, if I see someone that's not operating at a level where they could, right? All that says to me is that you need to be in the office and you need to be communicating with people that can teach you things and be in a space of education. And you can't really do that at home. So from a micro perspective, I think it, there should be flexibility, but at the same time, it should be within reason. It should be something where it's like, okay, this makes sense. You've generated enough positive reaction from the, uh, the work that you've been doing that you've earned the opportunity to work from home because I trust or, or you can trust yourself to get the work done that you need get, getting done. Right Where the disconnect lies is like, okay, well, if you're not producing and you're not at the office, then what are you doing in your time? Right? Are you are you actually working or are you just sitting on your butt like cleaning your dishes and watching TV? Right? Like that and that's that's one of those things where it's like, okay, yes, do we need to give uh, our people as a whole trust and the benefit of the doubt that they're going to do their job? A hundred percent. But if the results don't stack up, then it's time to have a serious conversation with your employee or with your colleagues of like, hey, you know, we're all for giving you the space to do your own thing and be in your own space, but you're not hitting your numbers. You're not, you're not tracking like the rest of the group. You're not X, X, Y, and Z. You know, that might be an opportunity for you to spend some more time in the office so that we could find ways to get you to that next level. Right now from a macro perspective, right? Cause I mean, listen, we're talking about Malcolm Gladwell. He's the macro King. He's brought up some really interesting stuff. So here's a, here's a quote from the New York post, uh, uh, article. In San Francisco, an estimated one-third of cities' workforce is remote. City officials said that remote work has cost $400 million in tax revenues last year alone. Okay? From a macro perspective, it's hurting our economy. Let's be real. Right from a commerce perspective, from a being out in the space and taking advantage of all the things that are happening, right? Like vacancies have never been higher in the like in, for corporate and commercial space, right? Like it's it's absolutely mind blowing. Here's another stat: ten major U.S. metro areas average forty four percent in week uh, weekly occup uh, occupancy office occupancy in the in the week ending of July twenty seventh forty four percent. I, I mean, we're talking less than half of the people in this in ten metropolitan communities are spending time in the metropolitan community. How much is that going to take away from small businesses? How much is that going to take away from tax dollars? How much is that going to take away from all the things that are helping our economies move and generate forward? Right, clothing, uh, cars, uh, transportation, food hospitalities. I mean, all these businesses are hurting real estate. They're all hurting because we're sitting in our offices and sitting at home. 
And there's nothing wrong with that for the micro style, for, from a micro perspective. From a macro perspective, though, it's going to start to hurt some of the corporations that are paying the bills of the people that are sitting and working remotely. So I'm, I'm curious to see where some of these, uh, you know, bipartisan or bipolar situations clash, right? Because at a certain point, these corporations are going to have to say, hey, shit, like we're losing out on opportunity here. How the hell do we get people back in the office? What do we need to do? So I think it's really interesting to just keep that in mind that like, yes, from a micro perspective, I would say that there's a lot of people that are really seeing value. However, on a micro perspective, there's also a lot of people that are getting away being comfortable and lazy and not actually doing their jobs. From a macro perspective, that's going to lead to massive layoffs, companies going under, you know, companies redu reducing their revenues, all these things. So I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how the next two or three years play out because of this, this, this macro perspective on remote work. Now, one thing I will say, which could be really interesting, is we might start to see that the rest of the or the, the not-so-metro, not-so-urban communities are going to start to see an increase in their in their you know in their economies right their micro economies right because what happens now that you have you know Billy Bob who's your software engineer for you know who knows what company right and normally that company would be based out of Los Angeles but Billy Bob really likes to be in the country and wants to be out in nature well Billy Bob can go work out of Kansas and Billy Bob's going to take his tax money he's going to go to Kansas with it and he's going to then go start spending money in Kansas. He's going to start bringing a higher level of salary to Kansas. We're going to start to see an uproar in that real estate, an uproar in you know money being spent on certain you know creature comforts. Businesses will maybe potentially starting to you know pick up from the perspective of like okay we went and we now had we had a a, a small town of you know twenty thousand. Now I got a hundred thousand because people decided to move here because it's beautiful, right? And now we have this uptick of small business, this uptick of movement. Right. So it's kind of this like bipartisan thing where, yeah, maybe some of the and I don't know. Right. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But like maybe some of this money is moving out of the big metropolitan cities and moving to some of our smaller towns, which would be a great thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Right. The spreading out, taking advantage of land, you know, getting the opportunity for people to live in a lower cost environments, you know, giving the opportunity for those low cost environments to start to bolster their economies through commerce and, and small business. You know, so I, I think that there is probably an adverse effect to what Malcolm is preaching about, right, as a devil's advocate here, that we might start to see an uptick in, you know, different cities throughout the United States that are benefiting from the lack of need to live near a metropolitan city and have to drive and commute into a metropolitan city because people can just remote work from anywhere now. Yeah, I would completely agree. Like Sid, for me, I moved technically probably 15 minutes, probably maybe 20 minutes farther from the office. Um, and that's really because I can, like I said, I don't have to go in often. And, and, you know, I was reading while you were talking as well, you know, Malcolm Gladwell as well also works remotely, you know, so it's funny that he's saying it's not in the people's best interest. I, I think it really comes down to the company, right? Like if it's the same way that when you were looking at roles, you would always look at their schedule, right? Do you work weekends or are you just Monday through Friday? Do you work morning, evening, afternoon, night shift, you know? Same concept is going to go for these companies. Some companies, a lot of these are mostly tech companies because they don't have physical products for the most part. 
um, a lot of them are going to be more uh, more able to be able to have remote work, right? They already have all their systems online. It would be the same way if you were in the office or outside the office. You'd be putting your stuff in the same systems, logging them in the same places. So it's not a big jump. Like I said, when I went to remote work, it was pretty much no issue because I was using all the same stuff. I have a company laptop. But for somebody else who doesn't have a company laptop maybe and are trying to work from home and it's not a role, maybe it's an engineering role where that I would argue that that role requires being around other people, um, whereas some jobs can be more siloed. I think there's just so many variables that honestly go into it. Um, but I think we are. I like, like how you mentioned about you know more rural areas. I think we're going to continue to see that. And I don't really feel too bad because a lot of these companies are spending a lot of money on these big um, you know, commercial leases and office buildings. And now they're selling those or, or kind of de-risking and taking some of those off their balance sheet. So it's just a time where this is where we're going. You know, it's, it's too difficult of a labor market. People are now past the got to work 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week. People are looking for more flexibility, looking for better work-life balance. And we're not trying to do the, the Henry Ford, you know, 40 hour week. If we are, maybe we do a, you know, reduce that down to 32 and do a four-day work week. Studies have shown that people only have three to four hours of productivity a day anyway when they're at work. So there's so much data out there that shows that no matter if you're in an office or you're at home, you're going to be just as productive, quote-unquote. Now, the big thing I will say is uh, you mentioned it earlier about as you move up the ranks, being able to almost like unlock more work from home days. I think is a great strategy for companies. You come in, you're gonna work here Monday through Friday, but as you continue to prove yourself, you get more comfortable, your numbers improve, then you can work from home. I would love that because the one issue I did have was that when I was learning, and I'm in a sales role, um, is I could not hear any of my other um, coworkers pitching or selling, right? Which to me is a massive disadvantage. To this day, I've really, we've only done like a mock pitch when we were brand new to each other, but I would love to be able to lean back in my chair and listen to some of my other coworkers, handle some meetings, handle some calls. Um, Cause I think you learn a lot faster when you're in that environment. So I think if you're someone who's onboarding, you should probably, in my opinion, be required to work at the office, maybe for the first three months or even two months until you feel like you have enough knowledge. Because when you do work from home, it does get harder to answer simple questions. Questions that I could have leaned back in my chair and asked my manager and got a question an answer in 30 seconds. Now I have to you know, hit them up on Slack or I have to send an email or file a ticket somewhere. So there's a lot longer turnaround time sometimes for very basic questions. Uh, but all in all, you know, some people are more adapt or, or not more adaptive, but are just better suited for work from home. Like I said, some it's going to be based on who you hire. You don't want to hire somebody that's going to have a, a difficult time at home or doesn't feel like they focus well or thrive in that environment. Some people are really outgoing and need to be in an office. Some people are really, um, you know, kind of keep their shell up and would rather work from home and, you know, have nothing but but basketball shorts and some socks on and, and just be chilling while you're on the computer, but you're sending out million-dollar RFPs, right? As long as the work gets done and it's professional and when you're on video call, you look professional, um, you have good lighting, good cameras, then I think it's fine. But from a macro level, um, I, to me, yes, it hurts some of the businesses, but I think it actually improves the work-life balance for a lot of people. 
So on this level, I do disagree with Malcolm Gladwell. And that's fair. To a certain extent, I disagree with him as well. But, I mean, it is real what's happening to our economy because of it, right? Like, so it'll be really, it'll be, it'll be a trial for us to see how we continue to keep, you know, all these corporations alive from the perspective of like, they're paying our people to pay the bills, to pay the rent, to pay the mortgages and all the things. So, um, adverse effects, there could be some on the bright side. You know, people are, are feeling more confident, more happy from home and, and, you know, getting more done and this and that. But, It'll be it'll be a it'll be a trial. It'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next two to three years, based off of this remote work and and how trends will shift people from places to place, um, and what happens in those micro and macro economies and what we're going to see. So I, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm intrigued by the thought process, and I do appreciate what he had to say. Uh, with that being said, Saucy, are we ready to get into uh, our book for the week? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So this week we read a book by Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy is a classic uh, business author. This guy's written a bunch of books. Um, and what we read this week was the 21 success secrets of self-made millionaires. Uh, how to achieve financial independence, independence faster and easier than you ever thought possible. So this was a list book. It was a quickie. Uh, I know we've been hitting you guys with quick books recently. It's just been a crazy, crazy last few weeks, and we will absolutely never, never miss a shot, uh, a, a week, uh, and never, never miss a book. So we're here for you guys every week. With that being said, although it was a quickie, it was value packed. I mean, there were just it was a great reminder. There were a couple little things that were just like a little deeper dive, but very, very brief. Um, that made a lot of sense, right? Like there were just good things here. Like he talked about discipline uh, and persistence. He talked about, um, you know, your friend groups and he talked about, uh, you know, the, the, the concept of the 40 hour week and how, how we have to work past the 40 hour week in order to really get to the next level in our lives, right? Our high producers in the world are working an average of six days a week, 59 hours a week, right? So like you're talking an extra 19 hours a week and an extra day, in your work week to really take it to the next level, right? Because in that 40 hours, you're going to get to survive. You're going to get your opportunity to have your basic necessities, maybe, right? And maybe you're, you're in a little bit of debt or whatever, but you're not going to be able to take it to the next level unless you're really putting those hours in and, and you know, really going for the gold, you know, going for what's on the other side of the, of the, the, the trouble, on the other side of the, of the obstacle, and uh, I thought it was really solid. I thought it was a really great use of an hour and a half to just listen to this and remind myself, like I literally listened to it today on lunch. It was like a perfect opportunity to just have like a little reminder, a little accountability, a little bit of motivation, all wrapped in one. And uh, I thought it was for the most part pretty good. What'd you think, Ross? Yeah, same thing. Another list book um, definitely doesn't you know match the one from last week, but there were a uh, lot of good things that, that I really enjoyed. I think one of the things he talked about that, you know, I always resonate with was um, he talked about like learning every detail of your business. And this is something that especially when I start something new, whether it be something in automotive or something in marketing, or even now we're talking real estate where more and I are discussing, should we just get our real estate license? You know, we can kind of get an online course. We're pretty quick learners. Um, and even if we don't get the license, we would learn a lot really quickly to where we can feel confident walking in the room. So for me, you know, it had a lot of different things. I think it depends on who's listening. I think the 
the listener is going to take a different aspect of this probably than from some other people. Because it is a list, there's always bound to find a few things that really work for you. Um, but he talked about that. He also talked about being you know, open and honest with yourself. And I think that is something that people need to realize, especially if you've, you've had a business before um, and maybe it didn't work or it did work or maybe you're at a job and you're just not sure if you like it or if it's your passion, right? I think understanding kind of what drives you and what keeps you moving um, is incredibly important. I mean, more and I have talked about it in the past. You know, if we don't have one of these, you know, additional projects to work on, we, we kind of lose a lot of motivation in just overall life. I mean, we really do love this, this you know, game we play of, of building these startups and learning and, and reading these books every week with you guys. And it's, it's just such a, you know, a, a, a difficult task, but it's something that we are kind of obsessed with and we love. And, you know, I'm trying to think what else the book talked about. It had a lot about self-discipline, which I think is always incredibly important um, to understand um, what you need to do, whether it's getting a game plan for the mornings, um, trying to get more efficient on how you start your day off um, is really, really important. Um, but all in all, like I said, nothing too crazy um, as far as the books go, but I did enjoy it. Another quick one, um, like I said, Moore and I are working on a real estate project we'll announce to you guys um, rather shortly. Um, have a few more updates to go, but that's been eating a lot of our initial time. So we're trying to make sure we can still get some quality um, books in and kind of get some of that information in the news over to you guys. Um, but all in all, great book. Really no issues. Not one of the best, not one of the worst. Really kind of cements itself dead center in my opinion. That's very fair. And uh, final thoughts for me. That sounds like some final thoughts for you, Rossi. Uh, I thought it was worthwhile. It was worth taking it off the shelf. Uh, I thought it was something that was a great reminder. It wasn't anything particularly mind-blowing, but uh, sometimes the most basic, simple things are the things that we forget to do and the things that we choose not to do or avoid. And I think it's just a great reminder in that perspective of like, hey, like these are the basics. You got to do them. And I think he he said at the beginning of the book something really powerful, which is you're not nobody is smarter than you. Nobody can nobody work could work harder than you. Nobody is more capable than you. Like everyone's on an even playing field. What makes people what differentiates the successful people from the non-successful people are the people that are willing to take the risk, the willing that are pe- the people that are willing to get hit in the jaw and stand back up and try again and fail and fail and fail and just keep going and keep on going. Um, and, and that's it. I mean, that's really it. It's do the work, be okay to fail, understand that it requires failure. You know, the whole IBM conversation, the Watson, whatever, right? of like, uh, you know, if you want to become more successful, then double your, double your failure rate, right? Because at the end of the day, if you don't know what doesn't work, you're never going to know what does work. So I thought that was really valuable and just a great reminder overall. I would highly recommend the book. Again, not something that would be like in a top 10 list or anything like that, but a good book to, to feed an hour and get you uh, kind of just put you in the right mindset to continue to grow. So with that being said, guys, my name is Moore Milo. I'm Ralph Santarelli. This is the Market Today podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Take care.